and welcome to episode 18 of List Makers with a very big topic today. Mm. This is our mini podcast from the Doctor Who show. We take a top five topic, create our lists, discuss it, and then we just have a chat. And our topic today, Rob, hello. Hello. Hello, Dave. Is top five oh companions. Yes, we're finally doing it. You know, I thought the Target novels one would be a big one, but oh, this this is actually bigger, even though there are less companions than Target novels. It is. So look, we'll get into it. Now, I just need to remind listeners, when we recorded our last List Makers episode and mm. we pulled this topic out of Turlo's Hat of Rassilon, I said I guarantee that we're going to have at least one snap and I wrote down on a piece of paper on my desk what that snap would be. Yeah. So after we've both given our list, we'll see if I was right a month ago. Okay. Let me have a crack at that too. I reckon we'll snap and you will snap with my number two pick. I think you'll snap with my number one pick. Okay. Oh gosh, this is tense. It is. Okay. We'll see if we have... uh, called this correct but it's my turn to go first so i will smash into my list and i will say as precursor i thought about do i do the objective list of best companions or top companions Mm -hmm. do i do the dave's personal list and in the end i kind of blended those together uh some lost out on the list i will talk about the honorable mentions that missed out but i'll start the list now oh it's tough (laughs) It is tough. Number five, I went for Bill Potts. Okay. Uh, I went for Bill Potts because I needed a new series companion that I found really inspiring. And if the criteria for a companion is somebody who supports the Doctor, who is entertaining to watch, and who you want to share your travels through time and space with, I think that Bill Potts, more than anyone in the last 10, 12 years, really does meet that criteria. Mm -hmm. Is she necessarily the most important of companions of the new series, no, but I think she is the top one and certainly the one that I like the most. So, Bill Potts at number five. Good. At number four, I have gone for Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. Mm-hmm. I have done this, look, A, because she's my favourite companion and I wanted to have her in there, but also because she is the start of the archetype of the Doctor and a young woman in the TARDIS or around the TARDIS in her case. Together, Is mm. she the most commonly thought of version of this? No, but she is the one that starts that one doctor, one female companion archetype that really goes through, not just to the end of the classic series, frankly, but well into the new series. She's also wonderfully acted. She is intelligent. She can give the doctor what for. Mm. And I really like that dynamic. Could it happen all the time? No, I like it there with Liz Shaw. So she's number four. Okay. Number three, a companion that I grew up with and I've fallen in, out and in over love with over the years, and that is Ace, Dorothy McShane herself. Right. Now, why is she on this list? A couple of reasons. She is the companion that really set the tone for the new series to come. She set the tone for the Virgin books to come. She really was quite transformative, and I think that's great. But she was also new, different, dynamic, As a kid, when I was the target age for Doctor Who going out in the late 80s, she really inspired me and really excited me. It was a great companion. Yeah, as I sort of got a bit older and particularly into my 20s and a bit more cynical, I saw all the, you know, 30-year-old blokes trying to write for a 16-year-old girl and it's (laughs) all a little bit try-hard and I I got very serious about that. And now I just watch her and love her. And I think she's really cool. So number three is Ace. 
Number two, I was very strict in keeping this entry to five, but I have played my cheat card at number two because I have said Ian and Barbara. Okay. Fair enough. Which I couldn't split them, and I didn't think, Rob, you were going to knock me if I had them both in here as one pick. They are the two companions that go through the first couple of series. They are part of my favourite, arguably, TARDIS team. I couldn't get Vicky in here, but I have got Ed and Barbara. They are the companions that were there right at the start when the companions drove the show. They were as much, if not more, the stars of the show. You've got Ian, a really exciting, dynamic character, knowledgeable, a good guy, a good guy to have in your corner, and just so charmingly portrayed by William Russell. And Barbara, the first great female hero of science fiction. I'm going to make that call without any research and just say it's true. You know, the first great one. She she stands up to the Doctor. She's a strong character in her own right. She's intelligent. She's got a sense of value and morality that, that forms the thrust of a number of stories. They're so watchful together. When they leave, I'm sad. So they are my number two collectively. Mm-hmm. Number one... I had no choice but to put Sarah Jane Smith, the Doctor's best friend. Right. If Tom Baker is the archetypal Doctor that everybody thinks of when they think of Doctor Who, and if the Daleks are the monster that everybody thinks of when they think of Doctor Who, for decades, if not onwards, Sarah Jane Smith was that companion. It was Tom Baker and Liz Sladen together that was the dynamic Golden Age companion. And it's not just rhetoric. I think, Rob, it is earned. I think that she is there for several years, one of the longest serving in terms of stories of any companion. She sees Pertwee out and and really lifts the Pertwee era just when it needed a lift. She's so good in those early stories with Tom. She is such a great actress. She's such fun to be with. She loves journeying around in the TARDIS, even though she has a terrible time in the TARDIS, (laughs) but she loves it the whole time. And I think that's just utterly wonderful. There's a reason why she was brought back in the new series. There's a reason why she got two spin-off series to Mm. be in. She's fantastic. I think that was an obvious place for me to start. That's my number one. As I say, I've got some honourable mentions, but... Wow, Rob, your go. Make have, your list. We have two snaps. We have two snaps. Okay, I reckon it's that and that. Let's see. Okie dokie. In at number five, I have Jack Harkness. Now, before I start, I know we've had a situation where John Barrowman did some stupid stuff a long time ago. The world got over it. Then a new generation decided to have another go about it because it didn't like the fact that the world had gotten over it. But regardless of which side you picked in that war, that's real life. Jack Harkness is a fictional character, and I think he's a really good fictional character. I mean, the fact he became the lead in multiple seasons of Torchwood attests to that. How many companions get spin-off shows? Not bloody many. And I think this has been lost inside of more recent times as people conflate real life with fiction. So let's break it down. Jack, a man of action, brave, full of quips, and omnisexual on TV at a time when people were still struggling with gay characters in shows and deeply fearful of RTD's gay agenda. I find him really fun and watchable. He's in at number five for me. Number four, Sarah Jane Smith. There's their Ooh, first snap. Right, yep. I think it would be hard for many fans who at least know the classic era that is to make a list like this without Sarah Jane on it somewhere. I truly think you'd have to be in some kind of contrary mood to do it, actually. Like Jack Harkness, Sarah Jane is one of those rare companions to have got her own series outside of Doctor Who. It's something you had pointed out, too. That speaks volumes. The fact Liz Sladen did that Sarah Jane adventure show decades after she'd been in Doctor Who 
in an age where TV production and acting had changed quite a bit, I think speaks even more to her ability. But as a character, away from all of that, just great. She sort of gets rebooted between the Pertwee era and the Baker era, mostly because of how Tom acts, and I think she just leans into it, and so do the writers once they see how she acts with him, and she's kind of the perfect companion for him in many ways. You know, oh, she has just the right mix of affection for the Doctor without being in love with him, and the right amount of curiosity without it being all about her. I think you summed it up well too, Dave, so big snap on that one. Yeah. In at number three, Donna Noble. When Catherine Tate first appeared in the show in The Runaway Bride, I wasn't too thrilled with her. But when she returned in Partners in Crime, what was that, like two years later? It just clicked for me. And then each episode built on the previous one until we got to that ending, which was so sad, without actually killing her off. And wow, we had a companion who was older than Billy and Freema had been, and she wasn't in love with the Doctor. It sounds ridiculous to even highlight this, but hallelujah, how refreshing it was to have this genuine comedy talent in the show, not trying to bed the Doctor or make doe eyes at him. And I think the way she's becoming really well-loved in the years since, to the degree that she's the one RTD's decided to have in at least one of these upcoming specials, if not three of them. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. <laughs> um, shows that he's got his finger on the pulse. She's the key Tenth Doctor companion to my mind, and so she makes it here at number three. Number two, Ace. This is our second snap, of course. I'll say up front, there's a side of Ace that's really lame when we look back because she's boxed in as a as a character on a children's show. So she's saddled with dialogue that no streetwise teenager of the late 1980s would ever, ever say. <laughs> and she acts in some really cliche ways at times. But, and this is important, when we look at the companions in the years before her, even companions some people might really like, like uh, Nissa or Mel or whoever... Ace comes a lot as a lot more real than they do. She's wearing practical clothing, especially the footwear. She's She feels like a companion who's been plucked from 2000 AD, the comic strip 2000 AD, and is just the right companion for the times. You know, she could be mates with Tank Girl or something, mm. you know, from, from the comic strips. And I think this has let the McCoy era age really well. It also helps that Sophie had a really young look. I mean, she was 25 in Dragonfire already, but she maintained that really young look for decades after. And for decades, we've seen Ace just looking the same. It's been quite amazing. And in at number one. Number one, it's not a snap, so it's a new name. Yes, it is the first Romana. Uh, now, it's true I have a wild crush on Mary Tam, and <laughs> along with Stephen from New to Who, I will always wave the flag for Ms. Tam as a person. However, this is all about the characters, like I said back in my spiel about Jack Harkness, so let's talk about the character. The first Romana is a foil for the Doctor. While she might not have the street smarts, she's got the book smarts, and enough confidence to tell the Doctor what she really thinks. As a Time Lord, she can go toe-to-toe with him, and it feels authentic. It's not like when Clara, for example, the sometime school teacher, thinks she's as good as the Doctor, and we have to believe in this absurd notion when the Doctor has had thousands of years' experience and knowledge of things Clara's never heard of. Meanwhile, Romana is a Time Lord. She knows all the same stuff, and vitally, she's not her bubbly next incarnation, which really works well with Tom. I get that, but I don't like the relationship as much. I like this slightly uh, spikier relationship they have. Wow, what a list. Mm, thank you very much. What a list. Oh, look, I really love that. I, I love both those lists. I think they're really cool. Um, a couple of things to sort of say before we tease them out further. The snaps I, I did have written down here, Sarah Jane Smith. 
as being one I thought we were both going to have, and we did. Mm-hmm. And you were, I think, predicting we would both have Ace. Yes, when I said you'd snap with my second pick. Yeah, yeah. So look, we, we, we predicted that. I think they were two that had to be on the list. Uh, I'm going to say Jack Hartness. I think that the rationale you made was really fair. If we're lauding Sarah for being such a big deal as a companion that she gets a spin-off, you kind of have to say Jack's an equally big deal. Absolutely. So, yeah, I, I totally get that very fair. And and you're right, it was a big deal in 2005. It's hard to remember that. Yeah, absolutely it was. I mean, again, people were fearful of the gay agenda. Suddenly we had this omnisexual dude <laughs> running around. It's like, what? We've just leapfrogged. So true. Yeah. So true. Uh, look, a couple that missed out on my list that I just want to give honourable mentions to, and, and a couple that people might be surprised didn't make either of our lists. Jamie, who I think is a great companion, but... Uh, as well as he works with Troughton and as great as Fraser Hines is, I didn't think he was really that sort of archetypal, series-changing, big-deal companion that perhaps the others were and got, got on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Grant, I could easily have subbed her in for Liz Shaw because whilst Liz is the first of that Doctor-female companion dynamic that really sets up Doctor Who as we know it, Joe is the one who comes in and kind of makes that her own. In the end, it was personal preference. I went for Liz over Joe, but I think Joe deserves a mention. Uh, obviously, Bernice Summerfield from The New Adventures needs to get an honorable mention from me because, look, she she was the first companion introduced in that series. And, and there was a test of, can we invent a companion just in the books and mm. have her be as real and as important as a companion that's come over from the the series in ace and she turned out to be so much that even now big finish is still turning out benny based adventure so she's really coming to her own and the one that i thought might have been on your list and again i really struggled not to find a place for her is rose Mm -hmm. i think that rose i was tempted because she is that first new series companion she does break the mold even more than ace does and she is dynamic I think, and look, we've had this conversation many times, if it was Series 1 Rose only, mm. I'd have had her in the list in place of Bill. But Series 2 and that particularly that latter stuff does drag her down. So, oh, hush mm. to miss out there. Yeah, gosh. Look, I didn't actually make a list of runners-up, but off the top of my head, I could say, you know, well, Polly's my favourite female companion of, of the 60s. But that's not what I'm sort of doing with my list. I'm trying yeah. to look at the more important, you know, who, who did the important stuff, you know, not just my personal preference. I love Stephen from the 60s episodes. I love Leela. I, th- I think Tegan's fun. Of course, I love the Brigadier, you know. So there are all these other characters I really, really like, uh, and they just couldn't make it. Yeah, look, I've said before, I have a personal like for Adric, particularly the Adric of season 18. Yeah. Could, could, could I knock Ace or Sarah off a listing to put Adric on there. No. <laughs> no, I couldn't do it. And, and I think that's where that personal view sort of have to be balanced with a, a little bit more objectivity, which we've both tried to do. Um, a point we both mentioned in a different way I want to pull out here. I mentioned that Liz Shaw is my favourite companion and she's a very intelligent person who can go to the toe with the Doctor. Just four you, stories though, Dave. It's just amazing. Just four stories, but... You had someone with just six stories, and episode count, they're probably about the same, uh, and that's Romana 1. Good point. We both so, so we both had companions who weren't there all that long, but personal favourites and both intelligent women yes. who could go toe-to-toe with the Doctor and, and be a foil for the Doctor. 
Is there a thread there or is that just coincidence? Is that something fans like the public might not? Oh, well, let's look at it objectively. The Doctor mostly travels with women, so chances are we are going to pick women. And I think if you've got a character who stands up to the Doctor, that's way more interesting than sort of a wet dishcloth. So so maybe it's natural to sort of gravitate towards that kind of character, and chances are it will be a woman as well. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's definitely... If that's fair. one way to break it down. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's, that's, that's really fair and interesting. I've often reflected over time how companions ebb and flow in fandom. Now, if this mm-hmm. was 10 years ago, certainly 20 years ago, I would be stunned if Lulla Ward's Romana 2 hadn't been on this list. She was really held up in fan regard and Mary Tam was almost forgotten. Mm-hmm. But now I think there's been a real renaissance of love for, for Mary Tam. Oh, it's always the way, isn't it? It's the same with Colin episodes. Everyone hated at the time. Then the new generation comes on and goes, oh, these are hated, but I can see good elements in them, so I'm going to champion them, damn it. And suddenly Colin episodes become very popular. Yeah, there was a time when the Doctor, Jamie and Victoria were held up as one of the, if not the great TARDIS teams. And then all of season five started to come back and people watched them and said, oh, Victoria's maybe not all that good. But this Zoe character, yes, she's really good. I'd forgotten about her. She's really good. Yeah, Zoe could have made my list as well. Zoe could have made my list as well. She was one that I really struggled not to have on there. And look, Vicky is one of them I'm really fond of as well. Look, there are so many oh, great ones. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Um, interesting that we only had one new series companion on each, possibly a factor of our personal... Nostalgia and childhood? Oh, well, I had two. I had Donna and Jack. That's fair. Sorry, so you did. Oh, look, 30% isn't so bad after all. Maybe I am. Um, maybe I was uh, being a little bit harsh. Um, <laughs> there will be people that would have Clara and Amy on their lists. I'm just going to put it out there and say, I don't want to travel with them. I think they're both very difficult, often unpleasant, sometimes toxic people. Mm-hmm. And, and I get that that makes for interesting drama and I get why that engages people and I'm, I don't take that away from it would i want to travel with them no so therefore i don't love them yeah i wouldn't want to travel with either if if i had to choose i'd choose clara over amy but only just (laughs) well look i would uh, say no to both of them and have rory (laughs) fair enough (laughs) fair enough but look we're out of time somehow we managed to do a list of top five companions it will be very contentious as always listeners let us know what you think but we now end with Pulling next week's topic from the hat of Rassilon. And we have a rare worst. Top five worst Mm -hmm. classic stories. Oh, Oh, wow. We can have some fun with that and I hope we will. And you thought Companions was controversial. (laughs) Yeah, well, well, yeah, I don't think we could do worst Companions. That would be a bit nasty. (laughs) That would be mean, actually. It would. Look, as always, if you have topics for us, please send them through. I know we've got a couple on Twitter over the last month, which are now dutifully in the hat. But until then, I've been Dave. And I've been Rob. And we'll make more lists soon. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.